Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the Pod wherever you get your podcasts. to episode 367 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Sunday, September 11th, 2022, and I am joined, as I often am, by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. Bradley, I have missed you. It was a perfectly normal Sunday for baseball, and I'm excited to talk about baseball with you. Uh, yeah, overall, it's been uh, <laughs> been an interesting week, to say the least, so I'm really happy to be able to talk with you about it. Yeah, so we'll hit on all the stuff that you might imagine the Braves... Uh, Briefly taking the division lead this week, the Braves winning eight consecutive games um, heading into the weekend and then uh, back to back losses in Seattle on Saturday and Sunday. And today's game was a wild one. We'll, of course, come back to it in full depth. But a look behind the curtain, Eric and I were talking about uh, at least considering recording a little bit earlier, like starting during the game, even Uh, they were down six one and then six two. Then we did not record, thankfully for us, Uh, the Braves go from down 6-2 to 7-6 up, uh, thanks to Michael Harris and Robbie Grossman, and then uh, it all unravels. So it was a bit of a roller coaster the last, I don't know, half hour or so as we record this right after the game is over. So if you're experiencing some emotional stuff from us, uh, it's probably because we've all been on on the same ride. And also, if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, uh, it started earlier today. So it is what it is. A lot has happened. And uh, baseball, you're you're a Bills fan, Eric. So you're 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 right. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty good about my Bills fandom right now, considering what happened in the Falcons game. So uh, my condolences, Falcons fans. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you know, the, the Braves losing back-to-back games is probably a bigger deal to me than the the Bills winning. To be fair. Yeah, and listen, we're gonna talk about this later. You know, we're we're always kind of billed as being maybe on the more pessimistic side. So I'm gonna lead with this: the Braves are still in totally fine shape. It was still a generally fine week. For the Braves, it just ended poorly uh, and uh, sort of, again, in a roller coaster fashion on Sunday. So we'll, we'll definitely hit some positive stuff along the way here and then uh, touch on some stuff that's a little bit less positive later on in the podcast. But we will start with a brief mini sweep in Oakland. Uh, the Braves went to Oakland and won on Tuesday and then won again on Wednesday. Tuesday's game was the roller coaster of that series. They led six to one and nine to five in that game, ended up being tied at nine. Um, there was some ugly pitching. In fact, it was Kyle Wright's worst outing of the season, probably uh, four innings, eight earned runs for Kyle Wright. And um, uh, if this was a playoff game, we would do the entire 20 minute rant about this, but I uh, was losing my mind about how he was handled in that game. Uh, he was very clearly lost in the fifth and he kept right on chugging. Snicker just kind of left him out there for a walk hit by pitch, then another walk to lead off the inning. Uh, they kind of felt like they were trying to get him through the fifth to get a win or something. It was a bizarre sequence. Uh, and then Dylan Lee gave it up, gave up the lead. But fortunately, Matt Olson hit a home run in that in his return to Oakland. Um, Vaughn Grissom was great in that game. And the bullpen beyond Dylan Lee was awesome 
on Tuesday. And uh, the headliner, I guess, of the day was that the Braves, the Braves tied the division lead and they had come all the way back after everything and tied it. Of course, it was uh, back and forth the rest of the week, but that was kind of a while when it was, it was like almost a week ago now. But that Tuesday night game was uh, pretty crazy and it was pretty late and it was just a lot of weirdness. Definitely a weird game. This is like this offensive extravaganza through five innings and then just no runs got scored. Yeah. Silence. Uh, yeah, just, you know, the bullpen did their jobs, just held the, held the fort down other than Dylan Lee. You know, I mean, Kyle Wright's allowed to have a bad start. I mean, like at, at the end of the day, he's just been so good and really consistent de- pitching deep in the games too. So I'm, I'm not going to, you know, think too much about this. You only worry this time of year if a guy has a bad start is if you wonder like, what does the next start look like just because you wonder if a guy is getting tired. You wonder if a guy is, you know what I mean? Like this guys just wear down and that, that shows up in games differently for different guys. So the only thing for me is just kind of, you know, we, we saw, you know, the walks, the, the command wasn't good. He wasn't really fooling anybody. You just, you hope that that's, it's just not, it's just an isolated thing. And it was definitely a weird game in the sense that it just felt like, any ball that was hit in the air would get out. And, you know, like it, it was, it was just a bizarre game overall. So I, I I'm not, I'm not going to kill Kyle for it whatsoever. Uh, I, he's had such a great year too. He's, he deserves a little bit of benefit of the doubt just to have a bad outing. Uh, the Braves were fortunate to get out of that with a win, uh, considering how that game went through the first half of it. But you know, the, the bullpen really buckled down and, you know, ended up working out great. Again, my only concern is just kind of more keeping an eye on Kyle. If we see maybe if Velo's down a little bit and the command is getting away from him in his next start, I might be a little more concerned. Not in the, not in the long term per se, because I think that he's proven that you know he's really kind of turned the corner this year. But at the same time, in the short term, when you have to get you know these next few starts out of him, finish out the regular season in a tight uh, division race, and then you also have to look forward to the postseason. And a guy, he's a guy that you're going to need to get some real innings out of. You don't want him going in tired. So hopefully that's not the case. Yeah, I agree. You know, no, no reason to panic about that start. He was pretty shaky, and I thought he, again, stayed in way too long in that outing. But we will see what he looks like in his next start, and that'll be more in, hopefully indicative of what he's been for the rest of the season because he's actually been really good throughout the body of the season. Uh, that was the Braves' sixth consecutive win on Tuesday. Wednesday was their seventh straight win. Uh, another kind of a hiccup early. It felt like it was going to be back-to-back nights. This special strider had probably his worst inning since he's doing the rotation, even he walked three of the first six batters. They were down two nothing in a hurry. He looked like totally out of sorts and kind of like in the blink of an eye, he became special strider again and basically pitched incredibly well after that. Had nine strikeouts, no more walks. Um, wasn't like his absolute best on the whole because of the first inning, but uh, it felt like he was basically just himself again after like a weird six batter hiatus. Yeah, he rebooted. Uh, it was kind of funny. He just got, it, it was it was night and day too. Just, yeah, he was he was the, the command was awful. He had no inning. idea what's going inning. on the first inning. <laughs> yeah, like, like he's just throwing the ball. And like he seemed like exasperated. He's like, I don't understand why the the balls I'm throwing are going where they're going. But you know, a credit to Spencer. One thing he's really good at is you know kind of analyzing himself, understanding what's going on and what's wrong. Uh, I mean, he it seems like he went back to the dugout. You know, talked to coaches, looked at what he was what he was throwing and see what was going on and very clearly figured out something that, you know, some sort of adjustment he needed to make and then just basically turned into the guy who, you know, if it wasn't for his teammate would be a, I think a runaway rookie of the year favorite right now. Um, You know, it's just, it's Spencer. He's just, he's just a guy who has this stuff that can, (laughs) is in a lot of ways forgiving. Uh, If he's getting, like, even if he's not commanding at his best, just the fastball is so good and the slider is now so good that 
you can make adjustments. And even if it's not exactly the way you'd normally like to throw it or the way it would normally look, he's going to get swings and he's just such a hard guy to, you know, get contact off of. He's just, you know, when you're throwing that hard and just getting that much movement, it's, it. he's, you know, he, again, the type of stuff he has is, is pretty forgiving in that regard. Now, when he's missing as badly as he was in the first inning, that's not going to work out great. But at the same time, he clearly, you know, he buckled back down. Everything was fine. Um, you know, Densby Swanson hits a home run. We always love to see that. You know, he's hasn't he's certainly cooled down since you know he looked like an MVP candidate through the first half of the season. Uh, and Von Grissom hits a home run. You know, all the talk about you know that you know all all he does is hit weak ground balls. I think is really overblown. Uh, and I do think that he'll he'll settle in and be fine. Uh, and it's nice to see him to see him go deep as well. So just you know, it was it was an overall really good effort on Wednesday. He's you know you're coming off a game that was really tough that could have gotten away from him, and they made a statement in Oakland that you know like you know this offense is really good. And by the way, Spencer Strider can you know <laughs> can bounce back pretty quickly. He's not a guy that's going to let a game get completely away from him, and you know that go into a a day, a day off that they frankly needed. Yeah, it's sort of a weird week again because they didn't play Monday. Uh, which we discussed last week on the podcast, the bizarre nature of not playing on Labor Day. And then they had Thursday off as well. So not too much baseball to discuss compared to other weeks, only five games. Um, But they go to Seattle, a much more challenging environment than playing an Oakland team that is not very good. Seattle is good. That's a playoff bound team that has a lot of talent. Um, But they win on Friday, their eighth straight win. uh, And the first time all year long that the Braves sat atop the National National League East by themselves, a half game lead at the end of the night. And it was a home run fest. On Friday, the Braves hit four of them, Swanson, Darno, Harris, and Grossman. Uh, Morton gave up three home runs back to the Mariners. It was not his best. He was good enough, but not necessarily his sharpest. The bullpen was awesome, though. Seven strikeouts and two and two-thirds innings from the bullpen on Friday. Kind of a straight-ahead win. Just a lot of uh, a lot of home runs on all sides, and the Braves just hit one more of them than the Mariners did, and then the bullpen kind of clamped it up. But, I mean, clearly, it's kind of weird to talk about now, two days two days away, when the Braves are not down by a game and a half. But two days ago, uh, there was I saw the, I saw the AJC did one of those like fan like takeout uh, sections about the Braves taking the, taking the, the, the division lead. There's a lot of celebrating going on Friday. Obviously, no one was projecting, well, maybe not no one. People are not projecting that it was over at that point in time, but the Braves had caught the Mets officially and over, overtaken them from being down 10 and a half games, which is cause for celebration, even if Saturday and Sunday did not go well. Well, yeah, and I think some of that too is just, you know, it's poor Mets. I mean, I'm not even going to say poor Mets fans, but Mets fans are really in their feelings about kind of their team this year. And, you know, there's a lot of banter back and forth between the fan bases, particularly on social media right now. So, there's certainly a lot of trolling happening as a result of that happening. But at the end of the day, you know, even before this weekend, which was obviously not great t- towards this end, but nothing's really changed in the sense that the Mets schedule is still incredibly easy <laughs> and the Braves schedule is somewhat harder. And that's what kind of what happened this weekend is they went up against a good Mariner. I mean, this is a good Mariners team. Okay. And then, then they, have, they still have to finish out a West Coast road trip, which is this is what this has been and has historically been not particularly kind to the Braves in years past. They still have to go against a Giants team that can beat people. And the the Mets have had, you know, a lot of the Marlins, the Nationals, and, you know, they're, it's not going to get any better <laughs> for in terms of, you know, them finding hard opponents to go against. So even with the lead on Friday, I just I still just wasn't buying that the Braves were favorite favorites in the division, even though they had, you know, that half game lead. Right. So, you know, at the end of the day, I, it was fun in the, in the moment, but at the same time, it's, it's hard to, especially the way the Mets have been playing and who they're playing against that you can't really, I, I just didn't read too much into it, but it was fun for sure. 
Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a, a brief moment. Hopefully there'll be more of those moments later on this month. But uh, a little bit of celebration was not out of line after they sort of, you know, completed the the comeback, at least for a brief moment in time. Um, we're going to talk about Sunday's game almost separately. But uh, just to write up this first segment, uh, Saturday, they did lose to snap the eight game winning streak. The offense just kind of went to sleep on Saturday. And that honestly happened for most of Sunday as well. They had about a 16, 17 inning stretch where they just kind of didn't score much. Uh, Saturday, they only had three singles and no walks. They did score a run, but nothing extra bases uh, and not a whole lot of patience going on in that loss on Saturday. Max Free was totally fine. Um, six innings, give up two solo home runs, but that was kind of it. He uh, deserved probably better faith than he got in that one, but I don't have much to add. I mean, Saturday was just like one of those like power outage offensive, just like catastrophes in some level they just had they just had nothing going on saturday basically yeah i couldn't get anything going offensively and that was the reason why they lost the game i actually was going to have broader thoughts slash concerns if what we thought the result was going to be held up Today? on sunday <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, uh, like, like that would have been a longer you know drought in terms of offense because like they didn't really score the second half of friday either and then saturday they didn't really do all that much and then sunday that's pretty quiet up until the end uh but generally, this is that just feels more like a hiccup. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, Max Free pitched well. The offense just didn't get anything done, and went up against again George. Kirby. Part of the reason why that was a three-one loss is because George Kirby for the Mariners pitched very, very well. Yeah, and, you know, and uh, the, young guy you know, too. Without, he's 20, yeah, 20, 24 years old, and he's uh, he's quite good. It looks like he he is good, and you know, a lot of times when it's a guy like Degrom or Scherzer. Or like a name that like you know has some Cy Youngs on his belt mantle, fans accept it a little bit better. You know, like well, you just, sometimes you just get got. But I mean, sometimes you just have to a guy you just have to tip your hat to a guy who pitched well. And in that case, that was Kirby. He pitched really, really well. Uh, couldn't the, the Braves just couldn't square him up. And this is a team that can square up almost any pitcher in the league uh, at any given point. They don't always do it, but this is I mean we've seen this team you know go off on some really good pitchers. So. Just a hat tip to him. You know, again, he pitched really, really well. And, you know, nothing, there's nothing wrong with Max. You know, again, sometimes you give up two solo homers. And I think that one of those was kind of on a pitch that was like down in the zone and just got golfed. Um, and, you know, that's just, that's just how it goes sometimes. Uh, again, I would have had more concerns and overarching thoughts if like they had gone in the sand Sunday and like what, what, what we thought the result was going to be was a 6 2 loss. That's what it looked like. Uh, it was, you know, it was two outs when, you know, they kind of went wild. So I'm, Again, I, I I think the offense is fine. I'm not worried about Freed. I'm not I'm not worried about the loss today or on Saturday, really necessarily. It's just kind of unfortunate timing, especially considering this whole narrative of catching the Mets and keeping up with the Mets. You know, well, fans are in their feelings right now, uh, and more importantly, football just started. So now they're hanging on. They're even more so hanging on in every win and loss more than they even normally would. And there's certainly a segment of this fan base that does that too much anyway. Uh, I can just tell you. That is not a healthy baseball viewing experience and philosophy to have. Uh, at the end of the day, you just kind of, you know, you have to kind of take things in a little bit larger sample sizes than baseball. And this particular weekend just didn't go the Braves way when they had been really good for the eight games before that. Yeah, that's basically the way to say it. And uh, we have a lot of sort of fallout discussion to have about Sunday's game. So I'm going to hold that for a moment. But I promise we're going to come back to that in some depth. Before we get to all of that stuff, though, a word for more sponsors on today's podcast. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking. From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Eric, let us dive into the game we watched most recently. In fact, within the last half hours we're recording this, uh, the Braves end up losing in Seattle, a final score of seven to six. And that is, uh, if that's all you know, it may not seem uh, anything crazy, uh, but it was a crazy game in some respects. Uh, the Braves were down early. Australia had home run to tie the game on a 3-0 count green light situation, just smacked one. Good to see that. He had been uh, not struggling, but not been like tearing the cover off the ball for the last, I don't know, five, six weeks overall by his standards. Um, and then Jake Odorizzi in his first in his first start since August 28th. So he was skipped last week, of course, because of the arm fatigue. Um, he was not good again in this game. Give up a home run to Julio Rodriguez. We'll come back to him later on. And then blew up in the fourth inning. Walk, walk, triple to open the inning. Could have probably been worse, honestly. They were, they were down by four. They were down four-one when he left the game. Uh, he was removed in the fourth for Colin McHugh. Uh, and that caused the inevitable cycle of Jake Odorizzi takes. Um, I don't have the energy anymore to do this, but uh, people that have listened to the podcast for a long time probably know what I think, uh, just to not quite freak out like everybody else seems to be, Eric. But uh, I saw that you are ready to fire Odorizzi into the sun along with the rest of Braves Twitter. So please go ahead. The floor is yours. I, I am not so far as to say that I'm willing to fire him into the sun. I do think that there is a lot of ap- absolutism happening regarding Odorizzi. Either he is the guy that you want as your fifth starter is a good fifth starter and no one that exists in the minor leagues should be able to take his spot or he needs to be fired into the sun. And the, you know, the guy that the Braves seem to only want to throw against the Marlins right now in Bryce Elder or Kyle Muller, who certainly has his warts and is a guy that I like a lot, you know, is very clearly going to be better. And I don't think any of those things are true. I think that Odorizzi is a major league pitcher. I don't necessarily think he is a particularly fantastic fifth starter. I think that there are things about his peripherals, particularly like his declining strikeout rate. And, you know, just, and there's, there's certainly some eye test stuff to, too, that kind of just that the stuff doesn't really play up very much. And, you know, he's already dealing with some arm fatigue issues to, you know, get him out. Maybe that was just kind of a, you know, ruptured success gland type thing where he wasn't pitching particularly well and they wanted to get him out and see if maybe some rest helped, but I don't think he's a particularly great one. I'm not supremely confident that a guy like Cole Muller would be uniquely better, but I will say that this is a weird situation where one, I think there's like zero chance that he makes a playoff roster. Um, and if that's the case, then you're looking at what's going to be happening in these next few starts in the regular season. And I don't have a ton of confidence that he will both pitch well or pitch particularly deep into games which one thing you want from your fifth your fifth starter is to actually be able to at least eat some innings. And he seems, things do seem to kind of go off the rails for him relatively quickly. He's not a guy like, you know, you just can't throw him the third time through the order. That was the Drew Smiley problem. Right? He's like, you know, it was that he was good that first time through the order. The second time through the order was uh, sometimes okay, sometimes not, but it was like basically impossible to throw him any more longer, longer than that. Um, but in Odorizzi's case, things do seem to kind of unravel for him more quickly than that. And when you're trying to preserve a bullpen and when you're trying to, and in a tight pennant race, that does matter too. What, what options does that give you? That gives you Ian Anderson who has not pitched well in Gwinnett. He just hasn't, he has the, the, he's certainly gotten the walk, the walk rate down a bit, but he's also getting hit pretty hard. So 
I'm not really sure if that's an option. I like Kyle Muller. I know that the, 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 this is the running joke and is one that kind of makes me laugh is that, you know, everyone talks about sample size in a lot of different things. And, you know, like this weekend, for example, everyone, everyone is mad at the Braves right now because they lost two games. They've already forgotten that they just had an eight game winning streak. That's what the things that happen. They've forgotten that there's only three teams in the league that have more wins than them. Period. End of discussion. They just know that there's one team ahead of them and that's more than they want. In Muller's case, He's a guy who realistically has only, he's made probably, I want to guess around 10 starts in the major leagues. And I would qualify two of them as bad. One at the, right before he got demoted last year, where again, he didn't look good. And he was having, was dealing with some efficiency issues before that. Perfectly fine sending him down. And this year has a bad, bad start against Texas. And then came up fairly recently and had a good spot start. For me personally, I would rather have the upside in Muller for these last few starts in the fifth, the, the, every fifth day, for me, I think there's a chance, a a very decent chance that he is good for two of those three starts or whatever it is, right? Like some percentage like that. Whereas I'm not very confident in those weeks, but I'm also like not like this isn't like a <laughs> like a Tommy Malone situation from 2020 where like literally like he was out of the game every game in the second inning and he was just terrible. I don't think that's the case. I think Odorizzi is a major league pitcher. I just don't think on a team that is has these kinds of aspirations, he should be the fifth starter. I'm not super confident in the replacement options for him. But at the same time, I'm willing to entertain the idea of doing it, even though I understand that there, that will come with some risk. But I do think that the Braves have some have at least one guy in Muller that I have some confidence in. Elder, there's things about his profile this year in particular that are like have me a little spooky regarding his propensity for hitting up home runs. Uh, I think you, I think the Braves have been kind of smart to, you know, whenever they can, they want to get an extra, you know, go go into a six man rotation, give guys extra rest. It seems like the always the Marlins are around there or some offense. It's not any any good that they can slide him in because he, I think he knows how to pitch, but I think at the end of the day, he's a little bit too home run prone for me to feel very confident about it. So I'm, I'm much more like, middle ground in regards to it. I, I would be fine with them continuing to at least try Odorisi maybe for another start. If he has another start that's bad though, I think you do end up having to pull the trigger and try to get someone else in there. Um but I would be also fine if they said, you know what, let's let, let's give Kyle a shot. He's pitched really, really well. Let's see what he can do. And hopefully he maybe gives you some more upside. So at the general sense, I mean I know that I was kind of picking on you that I was like wanting to pick a fight over you know, <laughs> pick a fight pick pick a fight on Twitter about it. But at the no. same time like I mean, my, my my love for you is well documented. And at the same time, I think that there's just a lot of just kind of there. It's 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 almost too much in terms of being like an absolute right and an absolute wrong here. And in this regard, I think it's kind of you know there's there's definitely arguments for it one way or the other. Uh, I'm I'm not higher or lower on Odorizzi than I was before today. Uh, maybe that changes if he gives us another bad start next time. Yeah, I mean, the irony of it all is that I, if they said tomorrow, which they won't, they'll wait. If they if they decide to give the next turn in the fifth starter role to Kyle Muller or Bryce Elder, I will not be upset by that. That's the funniest part about all of this is that, like, there's this notion that I'm just, like, Jake Odorizzi's agent. And it's just not, it's not the case. Like, I just simply... I, I heard you, I, I did hear that you were getting the cut of his salary. Right? Yeah, someone asked that today. Uh no, I, I just think it's funny and this it goes back, it's a long time thing of mine. Like I, I think people don't understand generally and not not you that like 
Joker, even this, even this version of Jago Dorizzi, which has not been good. No one's saying he's been good in Atlanta. He's his ERA is up in the high fours now after today. It was in the low fours coming into the day. He got beat up. No one's saying that he's been awesome. But like that's what fifth starters are. And I and I, I get yeah, it. I, I get that. that. And look, there's a there's also discussion to be had between playoff starter and fifth starter regular season. I have never once said Jake Odorizzi should be making a playoff start with the Braves. And and I and I guarantee you, if he is on the playoff roster, I will have thoughts. Well, he won't be he won't, he, won't be he won't be starting. He won't be starting. If he's on if he's on the playoff roster, he'll he'll be there to be the long relief guy because he has experience doing that before. And that's a different fight altogether. And that that actually it wouldn't stun me if that happened because he's actually done that like in well, the playoffs yeah, for teams and, before. And, um and, and and the other guy that probably might have been in contention for that, you know, Waskar, you know, we'll have some news about him later. Yeah, on he's not an option anymore. And uh, you know, maybe they would look at Ian Anderson to do that or whatever, but like, I'm not, that's a whole other discussion we'll have at a later date if we need to. But yeah, I mean, it's not like I'm arguing Jake Odorizzi is awesome. I, I think that I will always lean on the longer track record and Jake Odorizzi for seven or eight years basically has been a semi-quality major league starter. Like he's totally fine. And I, people pick on me for that all of a sudden. I still believe it right now today. Was he, was he good today? No, he was not good today. Um, do you, what, if, I, if, if you gave Jake Odorizzi 30 starts, do I think that he would be a perfectly fine fifth starter? I really do. I think he'd have an ERA in the low fours and that may not sound like that may not sound exciting. That's totally fine for a fifth starter. So it's, that's kind of my, I know I'm, I'm leaning into the void a little bit and it's kind of funny. I, I, I made fun of myself today. Just, it really just brings more annoyance on me than anything else, because it would be it a sure lot, does, e- it'd be a lot easier for me to just uh, ignore my own thoughts and just say, yeah, throw that guy out there and do whatever. But I, uh, I just don't think that it's as cut and dry in the other direction either. Like there's a sentiment out there and people, I mean, I'm talking about 10, 15 people said this to me today. The quote was, well, Mueller or elder quote, can't be worse than Odorizzi. And that's just not true. It's just not accurate at all. Like they, ab- they absolutely could be they worse. Absolutely could tell be you worse. That now. And that's the thing. I mean, and, and look, and that's not even me. And it's kind of funny at no point today, even did I ever say on any tweet that I sent that Jake Odorizzi is better than Kyle Mueller. I, didn- I never said that. Not, not intentionally, never said that one time, because I don't know that to be true. Now, I did post Kyle Muller's stats from this year, and yeah, it was a little bit of like, look, here are the numbers. And yeah, I probably should have done a better job framing it. But Kyle Muller, like you said, had the one disaster start, and he had, he had one, the one pretty good start today. But like the notion that we know that Kyle Muller is going to come up and be good is just silly. We don't know that to be true. And Bryce Elder has had more success in the majors this year because he's he, number one, he's had more starts and he's actually pitched pretty well the last couple of times out. So I'm not saying either one of those guys is worse than Orizzi, but I know for a fact that they're definitely not better. Like they, they could be, they absolutely could be better, oh, but they we could. don't know. And, that, that, I, and, and that's, that, I'm, I'm kind of trolling a little bit with it, but like, it's one of those things where, I just refuse to under I refuse to assume that guys who are not proven at the big league level are definitely going to be better. And look, I certainly will say, especially in the case of Mueller, the upside is higher. I will say that Kyle Mueller, you could see, and, you, and obviously I'm not the expert that you are or that Grav is or that anybody on our minor league staff is about the minor league guys. But I will certainly acknowledge that if you said, okay, who has the higher upside over the next month between Kyle Muller and Jacob Dorizzi? It's probably Kyle Muller. He just has better stuff. It is what it is. And I'm not saying otherwise. But the floor arguments are like we've seen Kyle Muller be pretty terrible at the major league level. I'm not, we've also seen him be pretty, be pretty good. So it's it's more of a roller coaster. And I'm just predisposed to leaning on the safety a little bit more than other people would. And I, and I totally get the arguments for and against that. I really do. And I think that 
just big picture, this is the case for um, certain guys over a long period of time. There's always a guy on the, on the Braves roster, it seems like, that people just have no patience with. This year, it's Jake Odorizzi, and that's fine. But, like, I didn't hear all that. The the, two, uh, the previous two starts when he was pretty good back-to-back outings, no one said anything. <laughs> it's just, it's always, it's always like, yeah. oh, he has the one blow-up outing, so now now he's got to be terrible. And look, he he's not as good as Spencer Strider and Max Freed and Kyle Wright. And, like, he's not as good as those guys. And I get it. But he's also fine. He's just fine. That's my, that's my whole take. My whole take, Eric, uh, sort of bro- the, broken down the, into one sentence is that is that Jacob Rizzi is fine. And that's apparently like the most controversial thing in the world. But he's fine. He really is. Look, sorry. Look, you're going to get yelled at on Twitter about it, and that's okay. But the important thing here, Brad, is that he was not the real villain today. Because he is not. The, Braves, oh, the Braves' offense through the first seven innings was not good. And then we get to the eighth and the ninth inning where things get interesting in this game. Because you have Michael Harris with a solo home run, continuing to bolster what I think makes him the favorite for the rookie of the year race now. Until the next start until, for Spencer Strider. Yeah, <laughs> until Spencer Strider's next start. It's so hard to evaluate these two guys against each other because, again, Michael's playing every single day. And he just seems to be producing every single day. I mean, he he's, he's a- an alien, Eric. I mean, he, he has 150 WRC+. plus. Like, th- Brad. It's he insane. Got, he got called up at the end of May. He has 18 home runs right now, 16 stolen bases. What odds do you put on him having a 2020 season? Uh, very strong. I mean, like very high. He, if for obviously you can't assume over the full sample that you're going to play a whole season, but like if you did like the the 600 plate appearance sample of a full season, he's like on pace for th- like mid 30s in both categories. And yep. Eric, when he uh, by came the way, up, as a, as a Gold Glove center fielder too. By the I way. was going to say when he came up. Even people that loved him, like yourself, that covered him on the minor league level, it was like, all right, we're not 100% sure he's going to hit right away, but he'll definitely run and he'll definitely field. And it's like, okay, we'll take it. He's slugging 557. <laughs> what are we even doing here? I like, I remember the podcast uh, was the, I think when he got called up, I can't remember if I was doing the hammer or I was on the show with you. I can't remember. I know we talked about it on Road to Atlanta, but the thing that always stuck out to me with Harris is that he always had raw power, like batting practice stuff. When he was at the Futures game, like that was the guy that the national writers are tweeting about. That you know, in batting practice, he was just parking balls in the upper deck. The only thing we just never knew for sure is just whether or not how how often with his approach, how often the power would play. Because for a guy who hits the ball as hard as he can when he pulls it, he's perfectly fine just like slapping opposite field line drives or opposite field ground balls, beating out balls in the in the infield for hits and stuff like that. He's fine doing that with that approach, you know, and that has its own, it has certainly has its detriments that the 5% walk rate or whatever it is, isn't particularly great. And that's certainly something he could work on, but what he's done this year is remarkable. And I think that he's, you know, he had a great month last month. He's, he's probably going to win rookie of the rookie of the month this month, assuming Spencer Strider doesn't have another 16 strikeout game or whatever, uh, in which case I don't know what he, I don't even know what's going on anymore. I don't know where I'd vote. Uh, I, I famously like two weeks ago said that right now I'd probably vote for Spencer Strider, uh, even though I think that position players generally for that type of rookie, of the, rookie of the year voting, they get that the, the bar is lower uh, than pitchers. I mean, Trevor Rogers had like a four and a half win season last year and he got beat yeah. up by a guy who, you know what I mean? Like that, that, that's just how it happens. People are going to lean position player almost always if it's close and you can argue whether this is close or not. I mean, I I think it is. I think we kind of agree that it is it's, close. It's close. And I, I think generally speaking, not always, but generally speaking, if it's close, 
voters tend to lean position players, but uh, Strider's been up for longer. Um, I know he was in the bullpen early in the season, but he, he was up for longer. And like, he's been like top five Cy Young good on a personal I, basis I, this year. So yeah, I will have no issues with if either guy wins. I'll I agree. That I mean, right now, I mean, None. that, might, that might change. Very, very worthy. That might change in the next three weeks. Maybe somebody separates himself, but I totally agree. I, I think uh, as of September 11th, I would vote for, Sh- I would vote for Harris. I think right now today I'd vote for Harris, but like, I totally agree with you. I mean, I refuse to argue against either of them. <laughs> at this moment no, in time. I, 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 I won't either. And again, like Spencer could put up a start. That would make me go. God, maybe it is Spencer's. Stuff. He did it. He did you it. Know? He did it. He did it. Uh, was it last? Yeah, last week. Scott, I talked about. It, it was like, all right, Harris has got the lead, and then Strider throws this like preposterous franchise record outing. It's like, okay, what are we supposed to do with this? Like every single time Strider pitches, it just kind of volleys backwards. So I mean, we'll we'll do this more later on. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, yeah. Chris that's just too, but it's just it's never going to stop. It's just every day. Yeah, it's it, and it's wild and it's awesome. it, and and <laughs> it really is awesome because again he is kind of a mutant right because he hits the solo homer to get the six two and we're like okay at least we have something that's positive to talk about on the podcast you know it was just a kind of a garbage game and then with two outs in the top of the ninth inning a ball that was in on his hands he hit to the moon for a three run shot I mean that ball was off the facade that was like leading to the third deck cuts it to six to five and then the hero himself. Robbie Grossman, uh, two ba- two batters later, has hit a two-run homer to take the lead. All the good feelings until Kenley Jensen takes the mound, and I'll let you. Uh, yeah, so we'll we'll talk about this now. A wild comeback that you sort of lay out there. I mean, they were it wasn't just six two; it was six one. So they had to, they had to go six one. They took a seven six lead. Uh very exciting stuff as you sort of chronicle, and then on comes the closer, which is what happens. Snicker famously for a long time we've talked about this like he he likes his ninth inning prioritization prioritization closer guy it's been jansen for a while uh and really all season long of course and they paid him heavily etc uh and by the way he might be a hall of famer like he's a he's a legendary guy but uh he gives up a home run to julio rodriguez who by the way is probably the al front runner for rookie of the year he hits two home runs in the game it was kind of yeah, a little bit of synergy there between harris and uh julio both hitting two home runs but anyway uh almost immediately after that Jansen allows another home run to walk it off and lose. And uh, in the last seven outings for Jansen, which is not a huge sample, but it's a decent size sample. Uh, he's blown three saves and allowed seven runs. And he did look better to a little bit his defense on Tuesday and Friday. But, um, you know, when I said we were about to do the podcast on Twitter, I'm not sure, I'm sure you saw this as well. I think the first five replies were some form of, is it over for Kenley or are you going to argue um, uh, in favor of Kenley or something like that? It's all about Kenley and the closer role. Now uh, I know I've said this a lot. I know you have to, I I'm kind of not closer guy in general, but uh, put that aside for now and acknowledge that Snicker likes to have a closer. Uh, I'll put it to you first, Eric, and then I'll, I'll, I'll bring the hammer after that. Uh, if it's your choice and the Braves have a uh, a safe situation, let's say on Tuesday, when it's not a back-to-back for, for everybody's available, it's Tuesday night, the Braves are up one run in the ninth, who's pitching for you in the ninth inning? Okay, so I'm with you on the, the closer thing in general. Uh, it's highest leverage versus lowest leverage situations. I think that there's Agreed. situations in the seventh or eighth inning where you have the heart of the order coming up and you want to put your best guy there. 
I don't care if it's not this is ninth inning or not. You want to have your guy. Those are the most important outs. But that is not how Snip thinks. No, he does. (laughs) It will literally never happen. And I'm sure some of that is just how Snip is, and some of it's just kind of you know like promises or understandings with the players too. And you know, I don't want to take away from the fact that there has to be an understanding with like the player and how they're going to be used and like how they perceive decisions being made. I mean, like if you brought Kenley in the seventh right now. One, I don't think that Snicker would ever do it. And two, I think Kenley would be really pissed, right? But yes. all that said, I think that he cannot be the high the high leverage guy anymore. He can't be the first guy out in when you really need to get outs, right? Uh, whether that's the ninth inning or whatever. I think it has to be Ra- Raziel Iglesias. I think that he is better right now. Uh, Kenley, he said that he has mechanical stuff going on that is that isn't right and... I understand that. I also know there's a lot of miles on that arm. He has some health issues, and he's just not looked good lately. And I'm talking about late. Now, he, he's had a perfectly fine season. I'm not saying that. Obviously, the career speaks for itself. But he hasn't looked right. Something has to give. And this isn't a situation where you don't have yep. a guy on the roster that can do this job. You have a right? top 10 closer in the major leagues on your team and it's not Kelly Jansen. <laughs> and and, <laughs> and you also I mean and, and again you also have AJ Minter who like yeah. again he he has maybe he's he certainly pitched a lot this year. Maybe staying away from him isn't the worst idea giving him some rest down the line, but those are two guys that I have more confidence in in these situations than Kenley right now. And you know you can't talk about the money because it's not like Razio Iglesias is making league minimums. You know, it's there's there seems to be a, a little bit of stubbornness here. Uh, I do think that when push comes to shove, particularly in playoff situations, that if this continues, that I don't think that Kenley will be that guy, uh, unless again he really turns things around. But I, I think for me right now, I would be perfectly fine going with Iglesias or Minter in these situations, and they keep going back to Jansen, and even like aside from the blown saves, right. There's been plenty of adventures out there on the mound. And we're talking about like, it just doesn't look good a lot. I mean, honestly, that's a very simplistic way to say it, but like, it feels like his command is kind of just different from the first half of the season. Like he was much crisper early in the year, like anecdotally. And also in the metrics, like he just looks like a different guy and not in a good way. Yeah. The cutter's not cutting the same way. It doesn't have that same late bite. Um, And, you know, like I'm, it's it. I'm I'm getting the bad Will Smith vibes, right? Like just kind of like I don't know about this. Well, but... somebody actually somebody actually asked me this. Why you said that? Somebody asked me. I think they might have been trolling me because of Odorizzi. I, I wasn't 100 percent sure. Um, something about like was I going to defend Kenley like Kenley like I did Will Smith all those years? And it was like my my hot take on Smith was always that he wasn't quite as bad as I thought that he was. Uh, but even then, there were many times when we came on the show and argued Will Smith should not be the closer anymore. Like we, we did say that multiple times. Uh, and I don't think Will Smith was ever as bad over seven games, over seven outing sample as Jansen's been in the last seven outings. I really, I, I think I believe that, honestly. I, I think I, I think I'd I, have to look at that. I'm, I, 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 I do disagree, too, but I'm, I'm kind of winging it there, but I really do think that this might have been worse than Smith ever was. Granted, it's a very arbitrary endpoint kind of sample size, but, um, and also while the Braves had some good relievers over the years, uh, they never had someone with the track record and the contract 
of Rysel Iglesias behind Will Smith. Uh, they had guys who we liked wow. a lot who were really good, but they did not have a guy that they just traded for making closer money over multiple years. Like it's very obvious the plan when they traded for Iglesias is that he becomes the closer next year. Like we kind of all assumed that was going to happen, right? I mean, Jansen at his age, yeah, one year contract, yeah. like we kind of all, it's an educated estimate on our part, I think, to think that it's going to be Iglesias', Iglesias job to lose next year. Like I, I don't, I, I mean, I have a hard time making the argument that Jansen, even if I wanted to make the argument beyond just his track record of like a long-term sample size, like he's just not better than Iglesias at this moment in time. He's just not. I mean, that and that takes, that's, I'm glad you said Mitchell's name before because it doesn't seem like Snit wants Mentor to be quote unquote, his closer guy. Mentor has been awesome. So no one's saying otherwise, it does feel like if they go away from Jansen, I, I would be stunned if it wasn't Iglesias, <laughs> like stunned. If it wasn't like the primary ninth inning guy being Iglesias. And I do have a quote that will help. Oh yeah. I, I was going to, I was going to say this, but I'm glad you're doing it now. Go ahead from stick tonight. I was, I assume. Uh, so, yep. I saw uh, this. Yes. Snitker was asked. If he was going to consider using Raziel Iglesias for any save opportunities, here it and is. Snickers' quote was, "Kenley had three of the last five saves. He's done really good. He's leading the National League in saves. He had a bad day today." Oh lordy. So, okay, so uh, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first <laughs> on that? Quote? I disagree. I, I disagree with Snit in basically every aspect of that statement he made. Yeah, that's pretty much all I've got. Especially I, caring about saves, by the way. But that's yeah, just, that's, just... that's that's bad. Uh, the the lead in the National League in saves thing is because the Braves are winning, not because of Kenley being awesome. Like, and I will say, like in a again a small bit of defense for Kenley, I believe his season long numbers don't look terrible because he really was pretty good in the first half of the yeah, season. Yeah, he was. Um, so no one's saying he's had this like terrible season, but with today, his ERA is up, up into the high threes now. Yeah, three point nine one. That's not what you want for your, you know, no doubt. The way that they're using him, obviously, as the no doubt closer on the team. And uh, the only thing I can say about that quote from Snit that is not negative toward the quote is that this is the reason why players love Snit. He he just he will Agreed. always he will always unless you're Ronald Acuna for some reason he will always dive in front of you and throw his body in front of you. Uh, so that is maybe what that is. I think the optimistic viewpoint would be that Snit wasn't going to just come out to the media today and say, Kelly's not our, not our closer anymore. Like if it's, if they're going to change now, it, there was zero I, chance. He was not going to do that. So uh, I, I'm kind of trying to just somewhat explain away the quote, but you're, it's bad. I mean, coming out and says that saying that is, by the way, he's had three of the last five saves. It's not a good ratio either. Like that was part of the defense, and that's that's not good, isn't it? Um. Anyway, nope, sure he isn't. had a bad day today. He that's true. Um. Listen, listen. We, we've said this a lot. Uh, Snit, the leash is always very long for veterans, particularly guys who are ingratiated. And I think with Kenley again, like he's at a maybe even a Hall of Fame career. Like he he's done more in his career than Will Smith has. Uh. And they were with Will Smith a long, long time. And it, to their credit, it worked out for them. Uh, we can debate how that happened in the World Series and the playoff run, but Will Smith delivered on what whatever sticker saw on him, it worked out for him. Um, but I, I will say, like, it's not going to go over well if Kenley trots out there in the ninth on Tuesday. It's just, it's not going to go over well. We'll see how that goes. Um, it's not going to stun me, is all I'll say. Like, we, we've sort of shared our opinion. Neither one of us would keep Kenley in the role. I want to be very clear about that this is something else in terms of what will happen. I will not be surprised if Kenley is still the closer 
the next time out because of because of snicker and the way that his track record works he seems to always go a step or two beyond in terms of like lengthening the the rope for whichever player like whether it be will smith whether it be other starters in the past whether it be other relievers in the past he seems to always kind of go one more notch and maybe that's one more start let's start one more outing for jansen in the closer role so i won't be surprised either way i just don't know what to expect but you and i would not have him do that again I am with you 100%. I am not going to be surprised at all. I'm just not going to log in the Twitter when it happens. Yeah, that's probably the right, probably the right move. Okay. That's a lot of that game and what transpired, but uh, the, this, this sort of battle for the villain of the day between Odorizzi and Kenley was a, a legendary one. Um, okay. Before we get to the rest of the look ahead, uh, quickly on the stuff that happened segment of the podcast this week. Um, you mentioned it before, but Waskari Noah underwent Tommy John this week. It was kind of just announced out of nowhere by the Braves. Maybe you knew about this ahead of time. I did not hear anything about no, this until it was announced. No, he he pitched. He pitched. I think it was August 24th. Had missed like one appearance, but that's not super weird, especially when you have guys rehabbing and yeah. rain and all this other stuff. Um, and then it just popped out of nowhere. And again, it was kind of, it caught me off guard, which, you know, minor league stuff I can sometimes get head starts on, but in this yeah. particular case, I had no idea. Uh, and, you know, that's I don't think it's going to impact the, the major league club this year. I think, you know, was not really part of the plan, maybe in a bullpen role in the playoffs, something like that. But he was pretty bad in his I think it was two outings. Yeah, two outings this year with the Braves. And he was uh, over five ERA in Gwinnett. Like he's not pitched very well since the uh, what since he broke his hand, basically. Um, that's been kind of the downturn. <laughs> Obviously, that, that, I love the way you said it when he broke his hand like that was completely and totally his fault. <laughs> Obviously, it was his fault. Uh, but uh, no, I, I mean, obviously, this sucks for anybody to have Tommy John. And given when he had it in September, you kind of assume it'll be 2024 before he pitches again. Like maybe he's ready at the end of next season. But I kind of guess 2024. I mean, he, I mean, he he might start a rehab assignment. At best, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I mean. So like, I don't know what that means about him ever pitching for the Braves again. We, we you know we want everybody to get healthy and get to get back to where they were. But um, I think you can pretty much cross him off for next year as, as terms of any sort of factor, bullpen or otherwise. Uh, that's unfortunate, obviously. Um, but uh, that's all I got on that. Unless you have something else to add. No, I mean, he, I didn't, I've been famously low on Enoa, but I certainly don't want him to be hurt. Um, and I hope that he comes back strong. Uh, I am a little bit skeptical that he's ever a part of the Braves major league roster again, just because the pitching is just not the one area where if they have depth, they have, that's where they have it. And I don't see him as a starter. That means that you have to kind of believe him in as a reliever. And the one thing this team will spend money on, as we just talked about with a few of these other guys, is that they will spend money on relievers. And they're not going to necessarily wait around for him to come back and, you know, get a spot back. So um, not super optimistic, but at the same time, you know, I do hope he bounces back. Yep, totally agree. Um, anything else on the, minor, on the minor league side you want to get into? Obviously, we should plug. Uh, you ho- you co-host a podcast that you lead with the minor league guys at, called Road to Atlanta on the same feed if you're a new listener to the podcast, which is uh, all minor league focused and prospect focused. But uh, anything you want to hit on in this space, uh, I guess we could talk about maybe the minor league union being voluntarily recognized by baseball. That was kind of a surprising thing in a good way. Um, they have to yep. sort of get it all done still, but it looks like the early stages are going well for that, which is nice. Yeah, I certainly thought there was going to be more of a fight put up from Major League Baseball on it, but you know, M- MLBPA announced not that long ago that they had sent out basically you know ballots to all the minor leaguers saying you know do you want us to represent you in the CBA talks to you know and be your union basically, which is not the case. Minor leaguers are not represented in the collective bargaining agreement whatsoever, which is why they're one of the reasons why they're paid so poorly, uh, along with many other frankly reasons that make me mad. 
the vote came back very quickly that a majority of those minor league players did want them to do that. And Rob Manfred announced the, and they, the, then the player association basically had to ask first, you know, MLB, will you recognize that we are their union and allow us to negotiate on their behalf? Now, what I thought was going to happen was that they were like, there's going to be some, like it'd be a contested thing. And it was just going to be kind of a nightmare. Uh, but instead Manfred announced that they're, they're going to be fine with it. As long as like the, the normal procedures are go through, like there's a card check. There's just like a process that that has to go through for this to happen. Uh, and, so far, so good in that end. Now, this isn't going to be particularly relevant until the next CBA. Uh, obviously, there's going to be some discussions between the sides regarding year-to-year making sure that you know minor leaders are getting taken care of, but nothing that's going to be codified until we get to the next CBA, which is going to be really fascinating as to how those negotiations go. I don't know how both sides feel right now at the moment about how the last negotiations went. Uh, I think it was better than usual. Uh, once it was actually done, the, during it was a nightmare. But at the same time, I'm very curious to see kind of how this impacts the tenor of negotiations, uh, what gives become more important to each side, et cetera, et cetera. But overall, it's been, it was really positive news because at the end of the day, I'm a, I love my minor leaguers and I think they deserve to be treated and paid much better than they are right now. So, Agreed. Um, beyond that, uh, the other headliner of the week baseball-wise was the rule changes being uh, enacted for next season. We could do an hour on this and we're not going to do that right now. I'm sure we probably will do it in the off season. Um, If you have a headline you want to hit on, please feel free. I, my short takeaways are I am, I'm anti shift ban. Uh, I I think that's not the right thing to do. I do understand the arguments for it. I do get that. I would, uh, I would not ban the shift. Um, I do like the pitch clock though. So there you go. Any, any thoughts? Any thoughts from you? On this I will. I will give my quick hits so that way I have things to yell about in the off season. But <laughs> I actually don't mind the the shift ban per se. Uh, By the way, Scott Scott is also a pro shift ban. I saw on Twitter, so I think I'm outnumbered here two to one. On the well, podcast. well, it's more of a like if there isn't a ban, then you're stupid not to do it. But if there is a ban, I don't necessarily mind it. Right? Like it's just kind of like it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I I I think that it, the effects on one's watching a game is going to be negligible other than people are going to be like, if they had just hit the ball the other way, we would have had this game tied. That sort of, that sort of reaction goes away. But beyond that, now it's just Now it's just like, why didn't he get to that ball? It's, it's basically the same thing. It's a watch to me. Uh, I'm a big fan of the pitch clock. It does make the games move faster. Uh, I certainly think that there's some pitchers, including our own Kenley Jansen. They're going to have some real problems. Once this pitch clock is going to be, Boy, he, he works, he works so incredibly slowly, Eric. I it's mean, I think it was Mike Petriello had it. He he's one of the slowest in the league, which is not, I didn't know that in terms of the stats, but watching him, I think everywhere every brace that might now can understand like he is just an absolute glacial. I, I did I did I did look it up earlier this year and I had no doubts whatsoever that I saw I thought yeah. his name was gonna be up there it is uh, as well. A couple, there's, a, there's, there's a couple of brace pitchers they're gonna have to kind of maybe change things up a little bit. Um big fan of the bases being larger. That's a safety thing for me. It might make some some bases a little bit easier, but my bigger thing for me is that there's less plays at first or second or whatever where guys are getting stomped on. Uh that's just if that's just you know, that's just a better change overall. That's been a long time coming and should have been changed a long time ago. The only one I'm not a big fan of is the pickoff one. Um I think that that's kind of uh, seems a little bit too forced or maybe two is too low. Uh, maybe it's three, uh, but you know, including step-offs and things like that, I think it's kind of forcing the issue. Well, I know that they want people running more, but I'm not like, the, I, pro- I'm not, the problem all... is if you throw over twice, isn't every good base dealer going to steal the, like, like that, very that's easily my after thing. that? Yeah. Like... You, you're, that, at that point, you're not holding the runner. You throw over twice and then he knows you can't keep him there. 
Right. And the lead, he's going to, he's going to be leading off halfway down the line. Like, what, what are we even, what are we even doing here at that point? Like, I don't understand. Well, it might make catcher pickoffs more, more, yeah, uh, that's true. That more prevalent, which I'm, I'm a pro catcher pickoffs. Uh, we might see more pitch outs than we used to, too. Uh, all those things could happen. So again, it's not, that's not something that I'm like, you know, super upset about, but at the same time, I don't, I'm not a big fan of it. Those are, so those are my kind of my big takeaways. So that's the one I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. And look, I, I am not, at the top of the anger list with, with the shift ban. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's uh, legislating a bit too far. Um, I, I understand again, the pro cases for it. I just think that you shouldn't have to tell pillars where they can stand. It's just kind of silly to me on its face. Um, and I think that for the most part, uh, major league baseball and the commissioner's office in particular, doesn't really know what it's looking at most of the time when they're trying to vote on things and trying to pass things. And also it should be noted that uh, I think Chris was as well on their, on their podcast this week, which by the way has a new name uh, with Chris and Steven. But I'm so happy. I'm so great. happy they named it. But uh, they um, they noted this too, but basically baseball stacked the deck on the committee to where anything that players voted unanimously, unanimously against, it would still pass if they if the other side was unanimous because it was 6-5. So the players unanimously voted against these uh, these these new rules and they got, they got overpowered. So unfortunate. Okay. Um, Oh, also, sad Braves news this week. Uh, Anthony Varvaro passed away in a car accident. That is uh, not great. I know you have kind of a longtime Braves fan to know and remember uh, him, but he was with the Braves for four years, had actually a really good run as sort of a middle middle, middle reliever with the Braves, had a 2.99 ERA in his Braves tenure. Uh, only 37 years old, though, really sad thing. Um, I don't have much to add other than that. That's just awful, and hopefully his family is taken care of, but that's uh, it's brutal. Yeah, this thinking of his family, you know, was on his way to, you know, end up leaving baseball to become a police officer. And, you know, he was on his way to continue that service and just unfortunately get dies in a car accident. And that's just, that that, it's just, it's just a terrible thing. And I, you know, I wish I had anything other to say that I remember Anthony Favaro. I thought he was a a good player for the Braves. I, again, just, just thinking of his family right now is really kind of the biggest thing. It's just, that's just a really sad story to come out. Yeah, that's absolutely brutal. Um, all right. And from there, we'll close the podcast talking about kind of the state of things. I think people know this by now for the most part, but the Braves are a game and a half back again in the National League East following the back-to-back losses. The Mets won both times. So um, that is the deficit at this moment as we head into September 12th, which is Monday. Um, 538 is updated. The Braves have now a 29% chance to win the division. This is where I remember and remind people that the Mets currently hold the tiebreaker edge on the Braves, which effectively gives them another game lead. Um, now, I will say uh, the Braves can swing that if they were to sweep the Mets. Um, that is not likely because anytime you play a three-game series against a pretty good team, you should not be considered likely to sweep them. So most of the time, most of the outcomes are the Braves losing the tiebreaker to the Mets. They can flip that around. But that is why people keep asking us every once in a while, like why the numbers are so low on the Braves. That's a big reason because this late in the season, uh, a game difference, which is kind of what that amounts to, is a big swing. And that's how the Braves go from like 50-50 two days ago to 29% now is because they, number one, they lost two games in the standings. And also that tiebreaker edge is still the Mets. So that doesn't mean anything in terms of like, the Braves are still fine. They're still alive to win the division. No one's saying otherwise, but uh, they are no longer uh, 50-50 as they were two days ago. That's the nature of losing back-to-back games is the Mets win. Yeah, and again, the quality of opponents too is kind of a big... Yeah, something schedule's I tough too. Back to, 
I mean, like the 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 I wouldn't say the Braves' schedule is like crazy tough. No, compared but, to the Mets, but the, but the, the, <laughs> the, the, the the Mets is very easy. Now they the reason why that it's even this close is because the Mets did manage to screw up some really easy series despite somehow winning the series over the Dodgers. Yeah, the, the joke the jokes were fantastic in the middle of the week about uh, all of the old tweets about the Mets' schedule. Because they, they they lost three games in a row against terrible teams. It was it was the Pittsburgh twice, or uh, there was a, I think I, th- I think it was Pittsburgh and then the and, and then, then the, the Marlins and the Nationals twice. Sorry, yeah, it was a, it was I, a I hilarious think, yeah. swing when they lost three teams in a row, three games that are out of, to bad teams. But um, yeah, as of this moment, uh, they have the second easiest schedule in all of Major League Baseball remaining, and the easiest in the National League. They only play two game two series against pretty good teams one of them is the Braves they, play, they also play the Brewers but the Mets also play the Nationals three more times the A three times the Pirates four times the Cubs three times and the Marlins twice so yeah it's it's pretty it's, it's a cupcake schedule for sure which really is why again I, I, I folks really should not have put too much stock in the the division standings right now what happened this weekend the, the bigger issue is just that you know the Braves are playing more real teams than the Mets, the Mets are. And that's just how it goes. I mean, at the end of the day, the, the if you want to be mad, be mad at the fact that the, the Braves got off to such a slow start because it put them back in the, it put them in the situation that they're in now. That's the biggest thing, which by the way, gets back to you and I complaining about, we, we probably should be caring about how regular season games go uh, and, you know, not managing for, you know, September or whatever, because those games do matter as it turns out. This is one of those reasons why. Yep, for sure. And um there was a whole discussion about this, about this midweek as well, but just to say, like, we love to poke fun at the Mets and they earn it, uh, Mets fans especially these th- at this point. But um, is a testament to the Braves that they were able to close the gap because for yep. all the low Mets stuff, the Mets are fifty five and thirty five since the start of June, which is when the Braves run famously started June first. The Mets are fifty again fifty five and thirty five over that sample. That's a ninety nine win pace for the Mets since June first, and they lost nine games in the standings. <laughs> that is that, outrageous. That- Yep, and, and it was. It, by the way, it, it was eleven two days ago. They were they actually lost eleven games in the standings at fifty three and thirty five, which is just like, oof. which I I understand, especially some particular Mets fans. Uh, one comes to mind who likes to make videos and just likes to opine that the Braves never lose. Uh, and as it turns out, that is kind of true since June is that yeah. the Braves really don't lose the all Braves that much. Do not lose apparently uh, until until not, this not, weekend, but yeah, um, not not all that much. And I think that hopefully. Uh, Braves fans can kind of take some perspective from that too. Is that this Braves team's really good? Yeah, I don't. I don't say that to like praise the Mets. I mean, the Mets have been a good team all year long, but the Braves were so good for you know basically three and a half months that it didn't matter what the Mets did essentially. So that's where we are now, and the Braves uh, still have a chance, but I uh, have to be considered at this very moment as we record this, they are the underdog to win the division. Um, at least by all of the metrics and all the projections and the betting markets, etc. They're at least a slight underdog to win the division. Um, from here, the Braves play three games to end the road trip in San Francisco. Uh, the two late night Scott Coleman specials to begin the series. Yes. If you uh, plan on sleeping, you're not going to be able to in the next couple of nights if you're a Braves fan and wants to stay up and watch baseball. And then they're off on Thursday, and then they're back at home. Um, that's a travel day Thursday, by the way, back from the West Coast. But um, they're off, uh, and then they play three games at home against Philadelphia this weekend. So it's been a while since the Braves been at home. That'll be happening. Uh, you know, not the easiest schedule in the world, not the most difficult either. The Giants are not great, but they are certainly frisky enough to beat you, particularly on the road. Um, same for the Phillies. The Phillies are a decent to pretty good baseball team. Uh, even though they're coming into Atlanta, the Phillies have won three in a row as we as we speak now. They're only, I should say, only they're only nine games behind the Braves. So that means they're pretty good. They're 78-62 so far this season. So the Phillies have kind of been like sneaky, pretty good. In fact, 
run differential wise, uh, the Phillies are the fifth best team in the National League right now. So like that's not an easy walkover series, despite um, all of our anti Philly propaganda messages. But um, yeah, not the easiest week in the world because the Giants are like having a rough season. Uh, but that's a team that's actually still has a positive run, di- run differential for the season. Like they're they're pretty frisky and they're above 500 at home, and that's an interesting test at the end of, at the end of a trip. Yeah, they got some guys who can pitch. And Philadelphia, I mean, they still have Aaron Nola, who's had a good year. And I mean, Bryce Harper, his career against the Braves is well documented. And you know, this is a, this is the Phillies team that can beat the Braves. If you get, I'll just go ahead and say this: if you get out of next week going four and two, Braves fans should be happy. They won't be if that happens, but they should be because again, those are two good teams uh, in less than optimal situations. When you go when you're in San Francisco and then against a Philadelphia team that is kind of desperately trying to get into another get into a wild card spot, you know that those again not the most ideal of situations to go against those two teams. But I, this Braves team is really good. I think that they can go four and two, and if they do, I will be happy. Even though I am certain that that, that is exactly what happens, regardless of it's like two, like lose the series in San Francisco and then win the series in Philadelphia or flip it or whatever. Uh, that I am certain that regardless that anything less than six and zero is going to make Braves fans mad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think realistically, four and two is a good week. Five and one's a greedy week, and six and zero obviously even better than that. Um, but you know. I think this is my responsibility to give you the uh, sort of the projection. I think the projection for the week in terms of the like Vegas projection or the models would be probably be four and two, if I had to guess. Um, yeah, probably. They'll probably be favored in most of these games, but um, we'll see about the pitching stuff as we, as we, except, as we go except, on here. Except for Jake Odorizzi's start, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, Odorizzi. Uh, full, oh, full, actually. Full, full circle. Well, I will say this uh, to not to pile on Jake, but uh, if the matchups play as they are listed, as I'm, what I'm looking at right now, um, no matter who the Braves start in that slot, Odorizzi, Muller, or Elder, they will be the underdog in that game because they, they're currently faced. Uh, they're currently facing Aaron Nola in that spot on Saturday. So, Nola, <laughs> Nola, Nola versus Braves number five starter is an advantage for the Phillies, let's just say. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, it's not too bad. Uh, you know, it, it's probably, you know, it'd probably be better to have free in this outing in San Francisco. But they, you know, they have right strider morton lined up for san francisco that's not a bad place to be uh they do face they, they do face Rodone on uh wednesday that's a, that's a kind of a tough matchup but the rest of the week is not too uh not too terrible outside of the arenola game so stay tuned we'll have all that complete coverage and uh wednesday is an afternoon game too 345 so kind of a late such that's such a weird okay whatever well that's, you know it's you're, you're I, I get i get i get it you're, you're out you're out west it's a get it's a getaway day game i'm sure the braves would rather be doing that than having to play a night game and then fly home i know they have thursday off but they probably like, like to get home at some point on wednesday evening um all right eric well that's going to be it for us i will before i give you a chance to plug your individual escapades i should say please subscribe to this podcast network you get four shows for the price of zero dollars you have this show the sort of flagship that started it all with myself and Eric and Scott Coleman as the usually two of the three of us on the show. Occasionally all three of us, occasionally someone else fills in, but it's mostly the three of us. And then you get Road to Atlanta, which Eric hosts along with the uh, cast of characters on the minor league side. You have the daily hammer with Sean Coleman or bite-sized episodes. Uh, Sean does a great job carrying us through the week with the game recaps and the latest news, et cetera. And then you have the newly named podcast to be named later. 
uh, from Chris Willis and Steven Tolbert. That's an awesome show. That's more big picture. They uh, do once a week as well, but more of a like, you know, three or four topic kind of thing versus what we do on this show, kind of the catching all of the stuff. They go a little bit deeper on everything. So that's a, that's a, that's a fun show as well. And we try to spread it out as much as possible. I think we've been averaging like seven or eight podcasts a week for the last few months. That's a pretty outrageous number, but yeah. hopefully everybody likes the yeah. podcast. So subscribe, well, rate, review, I'm... download, etc. Based on our mentions, I don't think everyone loves the show, but we do appreciate all of you that at least listen to the show, tell friends, download old podcast episodes, all that helps support the show. And you guys need to be nicer to Bradley on Twitter. Uh, not at, at BT Roland. No, no, no. Be, be, be nicer. You 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 ruined his day today. He just said something kind of nice about Jay Goderizzi. That's not and true. I, and, and I don't appreciate it. Let me just say so this. I want, the... I want some nice tweets sent to Brad Roland this evening. I'm going to be things, The things that ruined my day today... Uh, in no particular order, the Atlanta Falcons being the, being the Atlanta Falcons uh, higher on the list. Um, the Braves taunting us all with a uh, comeback that gave that was given back, and somewhere below that was Jake Odorizzi discussion on Twitter. Uh, and for the most part, listen, if people just I, I thought you were going to fine. But, I thought you were going to list me being on the podcast, and I was uh, yeah. Number so. number seven is Eric being on the show. No, oh, uh, we oh, love Eric, um, but no, thanks, sincerely, thanks for listening, everybody. This is a uh, it's a fun time to talk about baseball. Um, I know football's happening now. People might be a little bit less like every single hour committed to baseball because football is going, and football is usually king for a lot of people. But uh, we're going to be here all the way through. The Braves are going to be making the playoffs in some form or fashion. We'll be here throughout that run as well. And uh, if you missed that last year, we do a podcast after every game essentially so it's gonna be very busy for us until the Braves are not playing anymore no matter if they win the World Series or if they're eliminated before that so buckle up we'll be here all the way through but uh, yeah for Eric you should be following on Twitter at Leprechaun follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland follow the show and the website that we uh, write for and podcast for at Battery Power SBN on Twitter at BatteryPower.com on the written side and we'll see you all next time Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts.